So we have something special here. If it's your first time here with us, again, we thank you so much for being here with us at Valley Church. Every time there is a fifth Sunday, which happens about maybe three, four times a year, I think it's four, um, there's always there's always a special treat that we do. We come together, we worship together, and normally there's always one person that comes up and brings the word for the day if you're here on any other Sunday. But on the fifth Sunday, we always bring you at least three different people that come up here and bring the word. And, and every time you just sit back and you're like, the Holy Spirit is so amazing as he just weaves together all the different speakers. And, and seven years ago, uh, it was on this very day like I had to watch online because our son was born seven years ago today and I wasn't able to be a part because uh, normally I was a part of the three amigos or the three speakers and so today's super special not just oh, obviously it's my son's birthday and we're super special can't wait to celebrate him today but I also get to announce our speakers today and I'm telling you every single one of these guys they love the presence of God they love the Word of God and they're men that just walk in integrity and, and, and character. And so it is truly a blessing that I get to bring to the stage the first speaker. I tried my best to put together something that was outside of football for him. Um, but I decided to go ahead and scratch that. And before I bring up Ryan Brodine, I just want to tell you a quick thing that I've noticed about him. This man of God walks in love and integrity. He walks in the Spirit's guidance that has not only just for him, but for his family that he's building. That when he walks in it, he steps on all the promises that God has given to him from before. And so with that, would you stand with me to your feet, put your hands together and welcome the one, the only, Ryan Brodine as he kicks off this morning speaking. Thank you, Tim. And I want to thank you again to um, just the staff here for giving me this opportunity. This is my third time doing this, and uh, I've really enjoyed it every time. And I've tried to put as much time and preparation into it as I can and, and uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me what he wants to share. Um, I feel like today I actually got to walk in my wife's shoes a little bit. I got to play guitar, and now I'm getting to speak, and I get to got to feel what it's like for her. But... Um, in all seriousness, uh, you know, being married to Christy for a year and a half now, I know I've shared this before, but there's so much work that this church staff does to prepare for Sundays and for what goes on during the week. So I just want to honor them and, and share my appreciation, just encourage you anytime you see a pastor, just tell them how thankful you are for them and what they're doing, because it really is a 24-7 job, and we, we are blessed with the staff here. So. Um, well, I feel like I've been um, affirmed multiple times on what I want to share today. Uh, at the very top of my paper, it just says the Father's love. And uh, I feel like that's been affirmed in this service. It was affirmed earlier for me as well. Um, and it's so beautiful how God does that. But there's been a couple things on my mind that, have, that wanted me to share about this. And the first is just this season that Christy and I are in together. And she shared about this a little bit last week. But... We have been married a year and a half almost now, which is crazy. Um, it's awesome, but it's, it's flown by. And we had said when we got married, we were probably going to wait somewhere around two years to have kids. And I'm not saying that when we hit two years that she's going to be pregnant or anything. But it, there is a reality that this season of life that we are in is one of preparing for what is next, preparing for 
having a family, building a family. And so a lot of the decisions that we're making right now are, are recognizing that these decisions have ripple effects on our future, our family. So taking care of our bodies, taking care of our finances, doing things to lay foundation so that when we do have a family, we can build off of that. And it's, it's got me thinking a lot about this idea of being a father and what it means to start fathering my kids now before they're even born. Um, and, the, and the second thing is just the reality of this season in my career that I've been experiencing. So I do commercial real estate and if you know anything about real estate, it has a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows. And I got into this job about five and a half years ago. So pretty much since I started, it was all up, 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 up. And honestly, the last 12 months or so, I've probably had more deals fall apart than I can think of, more ups and downs than I can ever think. And in that, it's opened my eyes to see that, to be honest, I probably was putting some of my identity in different successes I was having, different achievements I was accomplishing. And I was blessed to be, or I am blessed to be in a position where I had favor within my job, the market was doing well. So I had things that were going my direction. But like I said, as some of that has started to strip away, it's opened my eyes to, to realize, wow, I, now that some of those things aren't happening, you know, where is my identity lying? And the truth is, through that, it's, it's brought me back to the Father's love. And the Father's love that says, you know, no matter how much success you have or failure you have, His love is abundant for you. His love is there for you. It's overwhelming to you. And it has no contingencies regarding what you achieve in life. But before I continue, I also want to say with that, um, although the Father's love is abundant, there's also truth and wisdom in saying, for me, I recognize in this season, okay, there's some holes in my business. There's some things I'm doing that need to be adjusted. And I ask God for wisdom, and he's giving me wisdom to help me get out of that situation. So it's not just a, okay, I'm down here, and I'm going to receive God's love and stay there. It's I'm going to receive God's love, grab his hand, and pull me out of this, and use the wisdom around me to move forward. So that's the beauty about God being the good shepherd, right? He's the shepherd that steers us back on the path and shows us the direction. And uh, in, in scripture, it talks about that in Matthew 18. It says, um, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 in the hills and go to look for that one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So the truth is that he loves and he cares for you. No matter what season you're in, no matter if you're at the top, if you're at the bottom, he loves you and he cares for you. He loves for me and he cares for me just as much as he loves and he cares for each of us individually. And he wants to steer us on the right path. And sometimes we can think of that scripture about the good shepherd and you think, oh, the one that wanders off is the one that, you know, went way off. But the reality is, is I don't know if you've ever seen a flock of sheep, but I was up hunting this season and I actually ran into a sheep herder in the top of the mountain and I, it threw me off. I was driving up a hill and all of a sudden there was like thousands of sheep running in front of me and I, I was thrown off. But it, uh, it made me recognize, you know, it's not always the one sheep that goes completely off. Sometimes there's one that runs a little bit off the path and the herder's there to bring them back in. 
or the dog's there to chase them back in. And there's truth to that, that sometimes it's not, you know, that we completely fall off. It's, hey, maybe we need a little bit of correction here to bring us back onto the path, right? And that's the beauty of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, is that he paid for all those things so that we can walk freely in his love and his truth. And for some of us, we may have been able to experience this fatherly love from an earthly father. I know in our family, we've been blessed to have a dad who our entire life, still to this day, has been one who has loved, encouraged, you know, showed us what it means to lead a family. And he's shown us that the, the love that he receives from the Heavenly Father, he gets to pass down to us. I mean, just yesterday, me and Drew, we got to spend some time with my dad and and like clockwork, two hours after we both get home, he sends a text and he just says, hey, I'm so proud of you guys. I love you guys so much. And I'm so honored to be your dad. And that's just a reflection of the Father's love to us. And I know some of you may not have experienced that. Some of you may have had no father or had a father who didn't speak those things over you. And if that's the case, I want you to know that the same Heavenly Father that I have loves you so much, and He says that He loves you. He says that He's proud of you. He says that you're His cherished daughter and His cherished son, and He wants to spend time with you, and He wants to know you, and He wants to be with you. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that can take that away. And uh, while I'm not, not yet a father myself, like I said, I've been thinking about what that's going to be. and. Um, I had a moment the other day, I was over at Drew and Katie's house, and that's my brother and my sister-in-law, and was on their trampoline run with their kids, and um, there's nothing more joyful than hearing a little kid laughing, and uh, it's just like, it just, you like pause in those moments, and you're like, wow, this is just so joyful, um, and they were running around, and it felt like they had endless energy, but I, um, they do have endless energy. Um, <laughs> But I got home, or I was driving home that night, and I was thinking about it, and God was just saying to me, he's like, that same joy that you experience is the joy that I have for you, the joy that I have for all my sons and daughters, and I want to run on the trampoline with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. I want to encourage you in these things, and that's just a beautiful, beautiful reality for us. And we read in 1 John chapter 4, speaking more about God's love, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we know that, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
And we love because he first loved us. So to bring this all together, I really just want this, want this to be a simple message that we walk away with. And this is a call, first off, to receive that, the love that God has for you because it's, it's abundant, it's overwhelming. And if you don't recognize that, I will, I'm happy to tell you more about it. And there's a lot of other people in this room who are here to do the same. But I also want to remind us that this word love is thrown around a lot in today's world. And it is important to love, but love is not just acceptance. Love is also bringing truth. Love is also bringing correction and discipline. And when you think about this, it's, it, it says even in the Proverbs, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, as a father the son he delights in. So with love comes truth and correction. And so... It's, it's a call for all of us, and, and Christy and I were reading about this the other day, just the statistics about the, the amount of young people who are not reading the Bible, and it's a direct correlation to where there's blurred in, the, in what people think truth is. When they're not getting truth from the Word, then they're getting it from the world. And so, so especially as men in the room, us fathers, whether you're a father now, going to be a father in the future, or just a spiritual father, we are called to lead in love. We're called to lead in love lead our families, lead the people around us, and bring truth to the world because the truth needs more of it. And if we don't do it, then no one's going to. And so I want this to be a call to all of us in this room that we, we need to start leading in love and start recognizing that we are loving because we first received that love from God. And so it's, it's our call to do that and do it now and um, bring more hope into the world. And as I was talking about earlier, bring more ripple effects that knowing that the decisions that we're making now are going to cause generational impact to come. Amen. So I want to close in just a prayer and just a charge to all of us. Um, yeah, so Lord, I just thank you so much that we, um, we've already been experiencing your love so heavily in this room, Lord, and that that we just get to freely receive it. And it's a free gift that you paid for on the cross. You paid for when you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. So we open our arms and we receive that love. And we receive that hope, Lord. But we also say yes to the call that you have on us, Lord. We say yes to, to being a good steward for, with what you've given us. We say yes to leading our families, to leading our communities, Lord, and, and setting the precedent for generations to come, Lord, because we know that our decisions now are not just about us. Our decisions are about our kids, about our grandkids, about our coworkers, or about our, our grandparents, whoever it is, Lord. Our decisions now are causing ripple effects for the future, Lord. So we just pray that you would just give us wisdom as we, as we walk this out, Lord, that we would walk in communion with you, communion with your Holy Spirit. And step by step, you would guide us and lead us to live a life of fulfillment in who you have called us to be. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. And I just pray a blessing over the next two speakers, God, that you would just anoint them right now, anoint their voices and their words, Lord, to just bring more of your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Commissioner Brodeen. It's truly an honor to be able to do that. I couldn't let it pass. I'm sorry. I made a quick football reference. Okay.
What an amazing, amazing word. Yes, awesome. As the Father's love. Like, I'm telling you, isn't it just cool? You just sit back and just see uh, as, as the Father just does so much in every single one of our lives. And especially in these men of God that's coming up. This next man of God that I'm about to bring to the platform uh, walks in such heavenly wisdom and peace. Um, not only is his beard amazing. <laughs> Is his beard amazing? But I know that you can't just help but laugh when you're around him. He makes joy contagious. He makes fun contagious. But he makes having fun in the presence of God so contagious. You can't help but be able to laugh with him, to joke with him, and then instantly be able to start talking about the word with him. And, and it's since I met him, uh, when I met Travis, my, my wife always tells me, that it's like you guys are brothers. You laugh about everything, you joke about everything, and then you get ser super serious about the conversation. And I said, you know, with Travis, Travis even then, there's just this joy to be around him. And his wisdom that the father has been able to be downloaded already, he's a second year, uh, going into his second year of VSSM, and to see what God has been doing in your life, and as, as Ryan mentioned, you can also see it in his family's life as well, from his wife to his children, the ripple effects of your yes to Jesus, Travis, is so strong that I believe that not only is he doing the ripple effects now, but the ripple effects that are gonna come even more from your yes to Jesus is gonna be so much greater than you even hoped, dreamed, or imagined. And so with that, would you stand with me again to your feet, put your hands together, and let's welcome up Travis Evenden as he is our next speaker. That was the closest hug I've ever gotten from Pastor Tim. Whoa. Whoa. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, church. I'm so blessed to be able to share with you this morning. Um, if you're new this morning, I just want you to know that um, I'm very thankful that you chose to be here. There's a lot of places you could be this morning. Um, if you're online with us, thank you for joining us online. I know my grandma's watching this morning, and so I want to say hi to my grandma. Um, I know it because the Seahawks don't play till 2 o'clock, so I need to hurry. I love her. It's so good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So um, I want to, if I could, share with you this morning um, the journey that uh, I've been on with God lately. And um, I believe that uh, his heart for me is also his heart for some of you, many of you, and that um, when I speak about the things that God has done in my life, that it's going to break through into some of yours. And so I'm just trusting the spirit this morning. I've already been so encouraged by Ryan's word. And, um, you know, it, it made me think about if you've um, ever heard Pastor Rich, he says that we need to be maturing into childlikeness. And, um, and so, and I thought that was a poignant uh, place to start this morning, um, talking about identity, talking about um, theology and identity and kind of what we think about God is um, actually really important to who we are going to become as people. So the, what 
what we believe, the things that we've learned and, and um, believed about who God is, is going to really form the identity portion of who we believe we are. And um, oftentimes we start in Genesis. And in chapter one, I mean, you've probably read it many times, but I'll read it again. Uh, verse 27 of Genesis, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And I know we're supposed to approach the word with childlikeness because God repeated it three times. So all the parents in the room know that like, you know, God's reminding us over and over again, right, about how he created us to be in his own image. And so in my childlikeness, I begin to ask the, the ultimate child question, which is why? Why, God? <laughs> you know, every, every, every uh, statement is met with this question of why. Why did you choose to create me in your image? And I, and I believe that part of it is that when we look at the culture around us and when we look at um, the way the world would, would define identity, it becomes so splintered. It becomes about so many different things. And my identity is sometimes in my work and my identity is sometimes in... Um, my wealth, my identities in my job, my, um, the, the culture that I bring myself into. Sometimes my identity can be in my ministry and, I'm, and my value and what I believe about myself is determined by the works I do. And, and what it brings me back to every time is that my identity needs to be in the fact that I'm a child of God. Amen. I am the image of the Father. Right? For whatever reason, He decided to create me in a way that I reflect His image. And sometimes, you know, in the morning, I'll get up and I'll look in the mirror and it's not good. You know, it's just crazy and the beard. And, and I'll just, and even this morning, I was like, God, if this is your image, I apologize. You know, like, I, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. You can ask my wife. That's false humility right there. I think pretty highly of myself. And, um, but, but, it's, but it's true that I need to find my identity in the fact that I'm a child of God. And I need to start drawing from, I need to take steps in who I believe I am upon that truth. And so, um, you know, as I'm working through this, as God's like leading me in this, he's reminding me of things. And I've shared some of my testimony before, but um, so I grew up, um, I was born a fatherless child. I was, I was, I'm one of many in our culture who um, were born into a situation where I've never met my biological father. And, you know, part of that experience um, is interesting because in our culture, we value the likeness of ourselves and in our physical likeness. And, you know, and it's funny that you were talking about Drew because I, Drew was on my heart this morning. And, and the picture in my mind was Drew's little boy. And when you see him running around the church, you, you see the father, you know. You, I see Eli and I just think that, I just think that's what Drew looked like at one time, you know. Like when you see the child, you see the father. And there were times in my life, and, and I wish it was um, that, you know, I had overcome this, you know, long ago, but even more recently where 
uh, I might be in public and I'm looking around and uh, maybe there's a gentleman at the store who, uh, you know, kind of looks like me. And this question comes up in my mind of, uh, what if that's your father? You know, what if that's what you're going to look like when you get older? And um, what it just showed me was like there's a, there was like a broken desire in my heart for to look like someone, you know, to be that, be it that I know who I look like. And, um, you know, it was hard. It was really hard. And, and, and for a long time, I didn't know what to do with that. And by the grace of God at Men's Retreat, um, totally unrelated to everything else that was going on, we're worshiping, and um, this thought comes up in my mind about how I just wish that I, I resembled the Father. And God was so gracious to just download in my heart this truth, this declaration that I hold on to. And what he said was this. He said, every day you look and sound more like the Father. Yeah. He said, you resemble the Father, Travis. And I knew, I was like, I began to understand that that broken thing that was inside of me, even if somehow God could fix it, like he could absolutely fix it. But even if I achieved that thing that I felt like I wanted, it wouldn't have been enough. But what was enough was that I knew that I have a heavenly father who loves me and I get to look like him. And I get to be a part of what he's doing. And I begin to ask the question again, why? <laughs> like, why God? And he brought me to Romans 8.28. And we've, you know, we, we've heard this a lot, um, but there was a part that really caught my ear this time. And in Romans 8.28, it says, We know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good. So I started to see how God was like, listen, I, I can't necessarily go back 35 years and put a father in your life, but what I can do is I can take that moment and I can turn it for good. And it's, it says because for those who are called according to his purpose... For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he may be the firstborn among many brothers. And what I believe is that God loves me, and he wants to restore my heart, but it's not just for myself. It's not just for me. It's not just for the place I'm in, even though he absolutely loves me and wants me to be restored. It's also for others to see. And so when I stand here and I, and I understand the work he's done, I understand that it's also so that I can release that work. It's also so that other people who've walked that same path, the thousands and thousands of fatherless children in America, they can have that same restoration. And so I started to dig into it. And I started to think, God, you created us in your image, all of us, to reflect yourself to those you love, to reflect the Father's image 
to those you love. And, and it, just, it just gives me a greater desire to know him. It's the desire that I had to know the biological father has now been turned into the desire to know the heavenly father. And I know that the more I know him is not just for myself. It's for those around me. And I was actually, I, was, I had the privilege of speaking to one of my spiritual fathers this week, and he was sharing with me this idea. Of, um, Dr. Mulholland is, a, is an author who wrote this book called The Invitation to a Journey about spiritual formation. And what he says in that book is that spiritual formation is actually the process in which we become the image of Christ for the sake of others. And... And it just resonated so deeply with me. And I started thinking about all the passages in the Bible. And in Matthew 5, when he says, let your light shine so that others would see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And I just became emboldened in this idea that, Jesus, you want to use me, not for my own glory, but for the restoration of others and so that they will glorify you also. And it's just humbling, and it's a beautiful process. And I just want you all to know, it's, it is also for you. It is not just for me. And so, as I close this morning, I want to bless you all. Um, in number six, verse 24, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> nope. Okay. Let's let's get ready for the next speaker. Travis. Bah. That. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Composing. Composing. We're okay. <clears throat> I will say he did the exact same thing to us at men's retreat. Uh, he mentioned it earlier and he did the exact same thing to us and uh, talking about letting go of our possessions and he had us go out to the to the uh, rip the lake and we had to write things down on the rock and then we threw it out as we pastor Matthew had to shout freedom as we threw the rock out and then uh, Travis gave us these extra stones to remind us of who we are and who God's called us to be and so that actually sits on my nightstand I carry it with me most days but it sits on my nightstand today just as a reminder, every time I get up in the morning, I threw the old life behind, and now I walk in the newness of who God has called me to be. And it's just amazing. Travis, awesome. So uh, the next speaker that is going to come up here and end us out for our time this morning, when, when we first asked him, you know, you, 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 when I know that I'm going to be introducing the speakers or whatever, I'm, I'm trying to think about all the different things about them. And... And the first thing that as I thought about Blake was insight and vision. Insight and vision. That he literally, when you, see, when you see him, you hear him speak, 
when he gives a prophetic word, he doesn't just, he's not trying to stir up something that's not there. He's literally seeing through the eyes of heaven. When he releases a prophetic word, you just sit back going, oh my word, like he has heard from heaven. And I believe that what Blake, the Lord, I just wrote this down for you, a, a quick thing is that the Lord doesn't want you just to take you to deeper levels, but he wants to give you deeper levels. Not just for you to just be able to take the next step, but literally to hand you, this is where you're to go and what you're to do. I feel like the Lord is just saying so strong over you is the insight and vision that he has for you is not just for you, but also for those around you and what he wants to do next in your life. And so with that, he is an amazing basketball player. He's an amazing father. He's got beautiful hair. We want to welcome to the stage Blake Tillery as he brings the word. Thank you, Pastor Tim. That's a lie. I, I'm terrible at basketball. I know. I, you wouldn't believe it because I'm tall, but uh, apparently not tall enough. Um, hmm. Isn't God so good? Hmm. What Ryan said earlier about the staff here, about what they do, what they sow in, what they prepare for us, that they're pulling down heaven so that you can step into a greater place. You may have all this stuff going on in your life, but when you come in, you're able to enter into this place so easily because of all the things that they do. Hmm. Pastor Rick this morning came in and he, he gave a mini message before he started sharing and I just felt like just when he stepped in and started speaking and the rest of the prayer and ministry team started, started praying, it was like the foundations of this building were shaking. Because when people grab hold of a vision that God gives them and they become a champion of what God's put in their heart and they say, I am going to live for this thing that God has called me to, and I don't care about anything else. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care about my job. I don't care about what the future looks like, but I am going to stand for what God has put me on this earth for. When you have a people that sell out for God, they create something special. And you, I just want you guys to realize that the staff here are sold out for that call that God has put on their life so that you can enter into something greater. That they're pulling you along, they're paving the road so that the road that you walk is far easier than the road that they walked. That has nothing to do with what I was preaching, but uh, <laughs> I just felt that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good. You are a good, good Father. You are so holy. You are pure. You are beautiful, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your glory and your presence. So we come before you now, God. We say, here am I. 
Send me, use me. Lord, though we are stained like crimson, you make us white as snow. Thank you, Jesus, that you purify, redeem, and set us apart. <laughs> I want to talk to you guys today about the importance of holiness. So often in our society, in our world, even in, in the church, it's, it's looked at as this boring religious thing. That's not something that's important, that the grace of God covers it and, you know, you're good, like, hey, whatever, you know, like, sure, hey, well, I'll pray for you, buddy, I'll, I'll make sure that you get through that. It's all good, you know, God loves, loves you, grace covers sin, blah, blah, blah. But I want to tell you that grace, I want to make a clear distinction really quick. Grace isn't what covers sin. The blood of Jesus, the grace of God to send his only son to die for you so that his blood was shed. That is what covers your sin. It's by the blood of Jesus, not grace, but by the blood of Jesus that our sin is cleaned and washed away. We're not called to walk in sin. We're called to walk in the truth. And that truth is to walk blameless like as as Travis said, an image of Christ to this world. And what is Christ? Christ is blameless. He is holy. He is pure. He is set apart. He doesn't look like the rest of the world. God doesn't change his message to fit inside the culture of this world. Okay? He doesn't modify his Bible and the word that he spoke to make it comfortable by today's societal standards, okay? As Christians, we are called to be set apart, holy unto him, not of this world. Okay, so when we live our lives, we're not called to conform to society. Because how many times have you heard society and the world say, that's outdated? That's, that's not cool. That's not how we do things. That's backwards. Guess what? Every time I hear someone say that about God or the Bible and the things that I believe, I go, amen, that my God is not like this world. Amen, amen that I believe in something different than the destruction than the darkness of this world. Amen that my God does not bow down to the ruler of this world. Yeah. All right, now I'll actually preach my message. <laughs> okay. Hmm, where do I want to pick up? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> You see, the world normalizes sin and they call it good because that's what Satan does. He tries to twist and manipulate and I, I feel, I see him trying to twist and manipulate the church, trying to twist and manipulate the things that are said, slowly letting things ease in, slowly trying to make things acceptable and comfortable. But you see, the world doesn't understand 
that the reason why God tells us to not do that stuff or walk in that is not just because he's a God who made rules, but because he created this universe. He created law. He created physics. He created the literal laws of how the universe work. And when you defy those laws, you don't realize that you're damaging your body, you're damaging your mind, your soul, your spirit. And then you see the world trying to say, no, it's good. This is actually good. And all their studies always fail when they try and say it's good, but they still say it's good. <laughs> but it's by the love and the grace of God that he calls us to walk in holiness. It's, if you think about this, it's literally the love of God that he calls us to walk in a blameless state, that he calls us to holiness, because he's saying all of that stuff out there, that's not good. And I'm a good father who wants to protect his children, who wants to keep you safe, who loves you. That's why I'm saying don't do this. That's why I'm saying don't go there. That's why I'm saying don't be in that situation. Because I love you. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This points back to Leviticus, Leviticus 27 through 8. You shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You see, as sons and daughters, we're called to greater. The world looks at you. When you wear a cross or you profess to know Jesus, the world looks at you and watches and say, uh, says, are you different? Do you really believe this? Are you going to walk your talk? Our job isn't to preach what the world says. It's to preach what our God says. Yeah. Isaiah 6, 8 through 1. This is, I think this is my favorite verse, at least in the Old Testament, or verses. So every time I read it, the presence of God hits me, so just bear with me. <laughs> I'm going to try and get through it, okay? In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another, Holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called while the temple was filling with smoke 
Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it. Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Then he said, Go and tell this to the people. Notice the precedence and the order of this. God purifies him, burns away the sin, burns away the iniquity, and then he says, Go. Go and say this to the nations. You are clean, purified. Now I'm going to send you out. Men, how many of you know that when you have issues in your marriage, you're not at your strongest? When there's a bit of a disconnect, it's always on your mind. You don't feel like 100%. But when you have that moment of realizing fault, of repentance, of forgiveness, of making the decision to no longer look at what just happened, but to step back into communion and unity and oneness with your wife, you feel like you can take on 10,000, right? Because when you're just one, you can take on a 1,000. But when you have your wife behind you, you can take on 10,000. Because God made man and woman to be the champions, the motivators, the ones who raise up, who get behind and pull each other up. It's not just the job of the woman to do this to the man. It's the job of the man to do this to the woman also. Okay? It's to pull each other up and say, we can do this. I believe in you. And you say, I believe in you. We're going to achieve this. This is our goal. This is the vision that God has given us. And we're going to see it happen. And the beautiful thing is that when you look at God, he models the things of this world after him. Marriage, there's a reason why God says that he is the groom coming for his beloved wife his bride because God modeled our marriage after the relationship that he has with us because when we're out of unity with God when we're out of that oneness with God we're not at our fullest at our strongest but when we humble ourselves and we see the fault that's in our lives and we realize that without him apart from him living in sin, 
we are not our strongest, and we repent and we say, God, I am sorry for this. And we come back to him into his, into his loving embrace. We're able to move mountains. We're able to walk in the call that he has for us. You want to know the easiest way to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? To repent. <laughs> to get clean. Rick talked about that this, this morning. We're vessels. And if you think about yourself like a gas canister, you don't want water getting in there when you go to pour it into a car, into a tractor, into a lawnmower. Because it's going to mess things up. You want to be pure so that what you're pouring out is purified, holy, 100% authentic Jesus, you know? You want to pour out the true love, not the world's counterfeit love. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of advice. When you want to prophesy over someone or pray for someone, check your standing with God. Humble yourself. Realize that there's probably something wrong, even if it's small. And say, God, here am I. Please, I repent of whatever's in my life. Would you purify me, make me whole, clean me, so that I can come before you blameless in your sight and listen to what you have to say Deuteronomy 14 2 for you are a holy people to the Lord your God and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth For some of you, holiness can sound and feel like something that you're always reaching for, but it's never an attainable goal. That it's something that you're, that you're always outside of. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Or sorry, <laughs> Hebrews 10.14 for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. I want to make one clear distinction with this. As I said earlier, it's not grace that covers sin. It's the blood of Jesus. Come before God. Jesus paid the way. He died so that you get to experience and have the ability to go before the Father. It's there, and all you have to do is take hold of us, take hold of it. All you have to do is humble yourself and realize that you have fault. And it's easy. God is so loving and caring that He's just like, please, please come back to me. I want to forgive you. I'm ready. I'm right here. I've already forgiven you. I forgave you thousands of years ago. Just come to me.
Come here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. It really means that. You've been given a new mind. When you came into relationship with God, it says a new creature. That means literally He's changed your DNA rewired your mind and given you the mind of Christ. He's given you the ability to come before Him, to have the champion of champions at your side, behind you, to be raised up with Jesus and called to do greater. That's a good word, okay? You have been called to do great and mighty things your job isn't to sit back. Okay, here's, here's a word. I hope you take this the right way. Rest does not look like sitting on your couch eating potatoes, potato chips. Rest is being in the presence of God. You can run the race. You can go after God. You can give it all for God and be in rest. So many times Christians think rest means literally sleeping. It can. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But when you live your life in Christ, humble, coming before Him constantly saying, God, I've screwed up. Would you wash me clean? When you live your life like that, you're resting and he will use you for great and mighty things no one in here is called to not make an impact on this world every single one of you is called to change this world your world changers If you haven't done it yet, you're not dead. So you still got time. <laughs> I want to encourage you. I felt like God was saying that some of you have this dark cloud over you. You feel like there's shame that you can't get out of. But God's saying there's freedom right now. It's time to break these patterns. It's time to break these addictions. It's time to get free. Prayer team, can you please come up? There's some really good stuff that was preached about today. The Father's love. Living your life as an image and reflection of God. This is beautiful stuff, okay guys? I don't want you to leave today the same as when you walked in. 
If you've got something in your life, your life can, can wait 15 minutes for you to get right with God. Okay? We don't know what today holds. We don't know when our end is. So why not be running every day? Don't sit back and let life pass you by. Don't make God call someone else in to fulfill your destiny. You can wait 15 minutes. I encourage you, if there's something in your life that you want to get right with God, come forward. Come forward. You don't even need to meet with them because guess what? Holy Spirit can take care of you too. But please, come forward right now. Everybody stand. I want you to hold out your hands, please. I want you to repeat after me. Holy Spirit. I know I've messed up. I know I got these issues in my life. But I want to be free. And I want to stand before you. Holy and blameless. So that I may look upon you. So God, right now. I lay down my sin and I repent for my small-mindedness and thinking that my way was better. And I turn my back on that sin and I choose to look to you, to be guided by you and to live my life for you so that your love will radiate from me and that I will be an image of you, my Father. Amen. So please come forward if you need any prayer. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to pray for you. Get right with God and have a blessed day.